I feel a little bit better about wrestling this week. Yeah. So maybe maybe we won't be as dejected as we were last week. Yeah, yeah. In fact, last week's episode didn't make it on the air. What happened was Raw last week specifically was so bad that it caused us to be overly wishful, and we finally broke the wishful drive, the usually trusty wishful booking hard drive. We crashed it. It's the best I got. You know, I thought that's what happened, so it makes sense that you say that now. <laughs> yeah, totally right. makes sense. Totally. Oh, hi, Mark. The biggest match in history right here. Come on, guys. Let's brainstorm this puppy. Like a boss. Let me get this straight. Go ahead. When you're telling these little stories, have a point. Ever the work in progress, that opening. Hello and welcome to Wishful Booking. My name is Liam McNulty. I'm joined, as always, by Jimmy Moorcraft. What's up, dude? What's up, man? How are you? Not bad. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Good. Oddly busy for the holidays, but um, so oh, a, lot yeah. of, uh, a lot of events to keep track of, but it's going well. Awesome. Yeah, I can't believe it's basically Christmas already. Me neither. <laughs> like, December's a quarter way done, so it's, yeah, pretty insane. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously Raw was terrible. It was a little bit better this week. By a smidgen. Yeah, by just a smidge. Um, so Ronda Rousey and Natalia versus Nia Antamina was supposed to start off Raw. Obviously, it didn't. The Riot Squad, who are intertwined in this whole thing, came out, got involved, and just, you know, it was a beatdown. Natty went through a table, and then this led to some backstage stuff. What did you think about the way Raw opened with this this week? Um, I thought it was a good change of pace in terms of, I mean, I thought opening up with a match, but an angle. Um, I thought the heat for Natalia, I don't really know if it's going anywhere. Uh, and I also think it was obvious who Ronda Rousey's partner would have been, if you look at literally the only other active member who wasn't in the show yet at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause literally every single female was on the show except for Ember. So yeah. not that I thought that suspense was a part of figuring out who the partner would be, but, um, oh, well, see, I, I was talking to somebody who was pretty wishful on Twitter. So of course my hopes were up higher than they should be because somebody suggested, you know, I haven't heard any rumors, but how awesome would Shayna Baszler be? And I was like, Oh my God, that's not oh, going to happen. Yeah. So of course it was Ember Moon. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, it's okay. No, I, I went the same way. I, I At first, the way they framed it, I was like, I wonder if they're going to like do something here. Or, I don't know, maybe Trish or Lita's in the area. They've been being used a little bit. Yeah. Um, and also, Spoiler, nope. it seemed that later in the show, if it was a main event, I thought that having just Ember would be kind of like, um, what's the word? Because I do like Ember. So that's perfect. That's exactly the word. Yeah. But are we talking about just the opening right now? Am I, am I going too far in advance? No, no, no. Oh, if we can, okay. let's talk about the whole thing. Yeah, no, cool. Um, so yeah, the opening was good. I thought that Ronda opening was interesting and, and the angle and all that. The Riot Squad, I like that they're continuing to be on the show. I mean, the whole Natalia feud, like I said, I don't know if it's going anywhere. Yeah, um, it feels a at, little bit like they're just trying to keep them on an angle that they're otherwise not involved in. Definitely, yeah, I agree with that. Um, especially because last week it was just kind of random how they just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Despite the beef with Natty that isn't really that exciting to begin with. Definitely um, the match itself, based on though, sunglasses. I, I mean, <laughs> this is right. God, I forgot about that actually. Yeah, why would you remember? I mean, <laughs> uh, in terms of like the match itself, I thought it was fine. You know, for Tamina and Nia Jax being a tag team in the main event of Raw, it could have gone a lot worse. So I'm looking yeah. at it that way. Um, I also don't think I would have ended with this also. Yeah, well, I um, mean, this was like the most, you know, the biggest story throughout the night on Monday. So, yeah, but I, I, guess I, I think Drew and Dolph, if they gave Drew and Dolph like more time and more of like a, not a built-in story, if it wasn't as sudden and yeah. there were like clues leading up to it, that that would have been a great like TV level main event. 
Yeah. Too. Well, if they um, had any idea this is where they were building to, they could have laid out some clues, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, but, but yeah, I don't have... I don't have all that much to say. I think that it's obviously clear that Ronda's beating Nia, so any attempt they make for us to think otherwise won't happen. Um, Hopefully. Knock on wood. The, the only thing I would have changed, and I don't like Nia, but I am in the interest of booking a show that has competitive matches, is that I would have had Nia got her heat back by, I don't know, putting Ronda through a table. or That's another thing. Bringing out the table was weird in, in the beginning. I thought that maybe Ronda and Nia would move to a tables match, or there yeah. would be like a a six-man tables match, a women's table match, rather, or that the tag team... I could see why you would think that. Yeah. Something um, on the table. Especially because I didn't actually look at the Riot Squad when they came out, and then Michael Cole goes, oh, Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan have a table, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I like literally like rewound it to like see it. So I was yeah. like, that's weird. And then they made a point to say it. So I don't know. I don't know if that was just like a, it's December and it's TLC, let's include a table for no reason. That's not usually something they do in a ma- in a feud that doesn't that's not going to lead to a table match like you alluded to. Yeah, um, definitely. But would that make Ronda and Nia? Would that maybe build up to a match next week on Raw? That's kind of my question. Yeah, I mean a table match between Ronda and Natty versus Nia and no, 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 a tag match that was supposed to happen this week that happens next week maybe, where tables ultimately get involved, which causes Nia and Ronda to become a tables match. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, or the other option is just maybe they're building to like a simple TV match with the Riot Squad versus Natty and maybe Ronda, and that was like their way of building to it. Yeah, but then why the table? Like, you're not going to, you know, the table would be at TLC. Maybe they're going to add a match at TLC, like a six woman with Natty and Sasha Bailey versus the Riot Squad. That's a possibility. Yeah. Speaking what do you of think Sasha about, and Bailey? Well, actually, real quick, do you, or unless you don't really have anything to say about the backstage promos with Ronda and Alexa, where they talk about what had happened. With the beatdown, and then, you know, Alexa suggests finding Ronda a partner, and Ronda, seemingly the only smart face on Raw, says she'll find a partner herself. And then, you know, Nia is one where the only real noteworthy thing is where she screamed way too loud into the microphone. Um, I have to say, that was... Nia's not the greatest talker, and I'm certainly not defending her, but that... I watched that in slow motion. If that could be, like, her character in general, and not this, like, you know, valley girl, oh, Ronda... Like if she was that's like just more the way that, she talks, she doesn't try to be a valley girl. She just doesn't. That's just the way she talks. No, I know, but I think she has it in her to be like a more menacing character, and they're just not writing her that way or want her to be that way. And I think that her character would work more in that direction. And that scream was, I mean, it was a pretty the facial, you know, affect and expression she gave was pretty. I don't want to say intimidating because that's kind of dramatic, but I don't know. I thought that was like an interesting. I was interested in that. Yeah, the energy. Like, I mean, me she should be like a monster, like the Braun Strowman of the women's division. Exactly. So yeah. that energy, but it's just going from one extreme to the other so suddenly, which I guess oh, I have yeah. a problem with. Totally. You know, she and should that, be more that all the time, but like even a little less than she was suddenly. Right. It, it, it felt out of place for sure. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of Alexa and Ronda, I like that Alexa, you know, they kind of in a roundabout way, called back to their feud and Alexa kind of cowered from Ronda and made Ronda seem, you know, like the intimidating person she should be. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, Ronda came across well too, I thought. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Better than most people on Raw, like in this definitely. dynamic. Yeah, although um, we'll, we'll get to it, but I also think in terms of babyface and getting over smartly, I thought Finn Balor had a good night, but we'll get there later. Yeah, yeah, he did. He didn't have a bad night anyway. Um, definitely, and we'll get there. Yeah, so moving on to Alexa, you know, basically they had a segment that they had last week, which we talked about last week that nobody heard, which thankfully <laughs> for us, I guess, they redid, you know, for our benefit, for the benefit of this show. <laughs> Only for the benefit of the show. 
Yes. <laughs> must Literally be. only. Must be. It's the only one I can see. Um, yeah, so what did you think about, I guess, if you want to talk about last week, because this week was a slight improvement on last week, I guess, even though this week was still very unfocused. Yeah, it just feels random. I mean, obviously, we have to mention the fact that they brought up the tag team titles, the women's yeah. tag team titles. It got a pop from the crowd. I mean, we know that they it's, were manufacturing the signs in the crowd in your evolution, and that I think that it's happening soon. Yeah. Um, Those questions all seem to be planted, especially with the answers they had. Um, agreed. More and, so and than last week, though, with, I thought. Yeah, definitely. And with that being said... I think it's safe to say women's tag team titles are on the horizon. Like, it, in fact, Sasha yes. and Bailey versus Lita and Trish at WrestleMania for the tag titles, I don't think is totally out of the question. Definitely not. So for that, it drummed up interest in that. Other than that, it was a completely pointless segment. Um, you know, I thought it was very heelish of Alexa to act like she didn't want to have the people fight. Um, like, she was like, oh, no, this can't happen under my watch kind of thing when, like, she did the, yeah. that exact thing a few past weeks. Yeah, um, I guess that's part that was of a weird. bigger story. Like she's trying to win their trust for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It just it. I mean, it definitely. We know that she's a phony, so I, yeah. I just hope that that's kind of followed up on. And then I kind of felt bad for Dana Brooke <laughs> a little bit. Oh, definitely. She like, was don't a have total afterthought. Then. Yeah, yeah. Like don't have her. Don't have her out there. Well, then it's like why are you know they needed to have uh, an advantage? I guess the people attacking because otherwise it's not like you know they were trying to jump Sasha and Bailey essentially. True. And if anything, don't have Alicia Fox out there because at least Dana Brooke, not that she's this promising upstart who's going to get pushed, but you know, you always want the newer people to be showcased. And Alicia Fox is yeah, has, Alicia had Fox a pretty has been bad involved year. and has some alignment yeah, to Alexa, like Mickey James, if that's what they're trying to do, which it seems like they probably are. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But then I don't know. The faces just win, so I don't really, you know. Right. Hopefully well, right. they have some bigger picture anything. thing because otherwise this was worthless. Yeah, as last week's was, too. So I guess not much change on that front. Yeah. Lucha House Party rules singles match. Man, I don't know. I, 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 so Ren- Renee, the, her becoming commentator on Raw is one of the worst things to happen for her career. She's, wow. I love her. I like her, but they're making her sound like an idiot. I mean, between the Dean Ambrose stuff and then just her, like, justifying this and then... Yeah. hating when Baron Corbin does it the other way. Like, he did it with um, Gable and AOP. and, yeah. and uh, same like, show, literally like, later don't, on. Like, don't have her, and I know that she's being fed this or being told what to say, and she's a babyface commentator, but it just makes her look so bad. So bad. And literally, so that's what I mean by that. Literally, somebody tweeted when Corbin did that, that you know, handicap two-on-three with AOP and Gable and Rude, somebody tweeted, what's the problem? This is just Lucia House Party rules. And they were right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, no, yeah. no, 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 this isn't a problem. We've literally covered this just a little bit earlier tonight on this show. Am I the only one around here who gives a about the rules? And there's a larger issue of, uh, they keep saying, well, management must have approved this. It isn't just happening. So that makes Baron Corbin look weird. Like, yeah. why are you, why are you letting this happen? And why aren't they having a backstage segment with the revival going to Baron Corbin? Yeah. Why are, I mean, why aren't the Lucha House Party just the heels in this situation? Right. And I mean, I, I, well, because they flip and they do things that pop the crowd. That's literally the only answer. I guess. I mean, they're um, acting very and, in, and that match in particular, they did a lot of high spots that the crowd at least engaged in. Yeah. Um, Plus but, they're in Texas. So I guess, you know. Yeah. But the whole pinata thing is still, it's still cringeworthy. There's a lot of things that everybody's doing right now that it's just oh so God. not 2018, 2019. Yeah. The pinatas um, are so bad. That's pinatas like are bad. 
That is the kind um, of thing where I, you know, for, if nothing more than just your heritage, not getting exploited, those guys should be speaking up. I mean, there's three yeah. of you. Come on, guys. Just all speak up, and then they'll fucking lose the pinatas like they never should have had them in the first place. And, like, the Ascension is also a heel take team. Why can't they be in the spot? Like, I'd rather the Revival be off TV right now, not doing anything, than doing this. Yeah. No, I yeah. Would. So They would be in a better standing, unfortunately. The only saving grace is that they're, like, getting an unfair advantage, but then that's reversed because they're heels. No, yeah. And the only other thing I would do is if you want to help them look not dumb is beat them up backstage so it is finally one-on-one and then they can kind of frame it like well this is the only chance we were left with is to beat them up so it could be fair yeah like that's the only thing i could see it being not even a payoff because i still wouldn't want it to happen but at least make them seem smart something yeah yeah to no, even definitely. the odds like like they're trying to do something i just this is just every week they're looking worse like you know i guess i don't know i, I just this is overwhelmingly confusing and bad totally um, so then moving on, McIntyre Appreciation Night. First of all, did you notice how they had what basically amounted to a Baron Corbin appreciation video, like a segment or two before the, this Drew McIntyre appreciation segment? Like that, you know, that video, that heel yes. video that was designed to glorify Corbin and justify right. everything he's been doing. It was like, like, I like the video. I was hoping the video would be heel through and through instead of actually showing you know what I mean? That Corbin like was having help when he beat up Strowman and so on and so forth. So I was glad that they like kept it as a heel video and especially glad because it like totally undercuts, at least in my opinion, the, the Drew McIntyre appreciation thing in the right way. I agree. I thought the same thing. I also think it's designed because Corbin is most definitely not going to become permanent general manager and he's going to get his comeuppance at TLC. He shouldn't. Yeah, he should. So I think that's why it was so heavy-handed. And it also makes sense that Baron Corbin would, would get it produced you know, he was probably forcing someone to make it and all that. So yeah, I didn't, um, we talked about this last week. Uh, no one heard it, but <laughs> Corbin, um, well, we were discussing why he was given this role and whatnot. And while I, I wish that he was a competitor in the lone wolf phase, which I wasn't a super fan of, but I thought he was a acceptable upper mid card dude. Um, <laughs> I do think that he's getting heat in the right way and that he's evolved more than I thought he would in this role. That doesn't mean that I'm happy that he has it. Yeah. But I think that, you know, the video package kind of proved that and he's kind of evolved and, you know, he's swarmy and, you know, I, I really do along. find myself. Yeah. He still needs to. If I have to watch it, it's decent, I guess. Yeah. We also, we went on a bit of a tangent last week about his outfit, which sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to say the least. So they should yeah, do strange. something about that. What was I going to say? Oh, Dolph coming out. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So. What basically happened, for, uh, Drew was great, Corbin was alright with what he was doing, Drew's promo was great, and then he gets interrupted by Dolph, who comes out, and as you alluded to earlier, they didn't build to this at all. To me, this is the worst kind of face turn, like because that's what ultimately essentially was a face turn for Dolph, even though it, the face turn was just a byproduct of what happened, because Dolph comes out, and he's like, basically saying like, whoa, guys, what's, what's going on? Like, I'm still yeah. willing to be bad with you, or is everything cool? And, you know, the real bad guys are like, nah, we don't, we're not really interested in that. Go fuck yourself. And then so it's like, oh, I guess I like him now because that happened. But I don't know. Could you have put just a little bit of thought into trying to maybe make him do something that, you know what I mean? I agree. I was iffy on this. I totally get your point, And that's what I thought. And I do remember now that, now that we're talking about it and there wasn't enough of, of, of a follow up since then. But I know that once they dropped the tag titles and they were leading up to that super showdown match with the Shield that there was some dissension between Dolph and Drew 
But it's almost like Mandy and Sonya where they like pick and choose when to actually utilize it for storyline. Yeah. It's like on the basis of when it's convenient and that they remember. Yeah. And all they had to do is kind of do it a little more and show how Drew, you know, his ultimate goal is to be alone in a singles guy. Yeah. Um, Which he said in so many words in his own promos, but also didn't do it enough with Dolph in the room. Um, Yeah. And they kind of covered some ground with Dolph saying, you know, I was the brain, you were the brawn. And they, because it. Yes. You know, and they had never really said that while they were together, so Drew didn't have to, like, you know, uh, argue or whatever with that point. And it, yeah, I... You know, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Drew is great and definitely consistently deserves to be in the spot and is evolving and evolving and all that. But I think that they could have wrote him to inadvertently remind the crowd of Ziggler's tenure and, like, what he's done, what he's provided to the industry while bashing him. So the face turn would have been more like, oh, that's right, Dolph used to be you know, fighting the Miz and Dolph was the sole survivor. Not that they would say all this and list it in the promo, but you know, he was in some pretty prominent positions. And, you know, uh, when, when Drew said, Oh, I, you're the most relevant uh, you've been in 10 years. That's obviously dramatic. I mean, Dolph has been in the title, IC title picture. He was a sole survivor when Sting debuted that year. Yeah. Um, that's right. But I, I don't know. I just think that they, they could have made it work a little more. Oh, definitely. I mean, to their credit though, Drew was getting booed and Dolph was getting cheered while the match was happening towards the end. So I guess yeah. it worked in that respect. But that's just because the audience is kind of like trained, conditioned to, you know, root for one and boo the other guy. To, right. You know, but, be on board with and be against. Yeah. And Dolph also still said all those things that he said for the past few months about the crowd and all that. So why does that all go away? Yeah. I, I Well, yeah, they just, if Dolph had come out, I guess he would have had to... I wanted to talk about actually about Elias' face turn. Dolph, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into other than to say that the way they did it was definitely bad, in my opinion. Like, they, they couldn't have given less thought to maintaining Dolph as somebody the crowd can actually get behind, you know, than they did. Um, and they're not, in general, they're just not... They have a problem with... They're bad at, like, writing faces. You know, most of the faces are lame and stupid most of the time, and they just have to be as a byproduct of the narrative. And they also have a problem with, you know, recognizing when an act is hot and, and observing what makes it hot and building on that accordingly. Like, usually they're like, you know, it, it depends on their pers- the McMahon's personal feelings about the, you know, the real-life equivalent of that talent, unfortunately. Um, Before you get to Elias, though, one major thing is that Drew McIntyre had his first recorded pinfall since returning. Was that true? They said that. Yes, it is true. Okay, so because there was Seth an article, might have beaten him. I thought on Raw before. This. No, I thought the same thing. Uh, there was an article by Wrestling Inc. about a month ago about that. How you know they were theorizing that they, I think the article was like why Drew could be in line to face Brock at Mania, and they said that he's lost in tag matches, but he's never gotten the fall. Okay. Um, I also thought that he was pinned by Seth, so I, I agree with you. But they broke down every match he's been in, and there's never been a pinfall or submission. Yeah, okay. Unless the article was wrong and got it wrong, but I, I, I think that he has not. Yeah. Um, so it leads me to the question to you is, they literally had an out when Drew... First of all, no one really gets that damage by Finn Balor's dropkick to the barricade. You lost me. You're talking about when... Well, so Finn Balor so, comes hey, out, say what, you, say what you ultimately think. You don't think McIntyre should have lost to Dolph here? I don't. Well, not by pinfall, because he literally just could have been counted out. Because he, he dramatically sold when Balor came out. McIntyre gets on the mic when he's beating up Ziggler, calls out Balor. Balor comes out to watch. The ref isn't looking. Balor drop kicks McIntyre into the barricade. 
We've right. seen that spot in matches several times. It never makes somebody almost get counted out from a match. Well, but if that's the way he sold it, why not just get counted out and lose that way? So Ziggler still wins, but Drew hasn't been pinned. Well, I think they wanted to, you know, they 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 weren't as concerned as you seem to be with keeping his streak going for one. For two, they wanted Dolph well, to get the win. It, they wanted Dolph to get the win, and also Drew looked pretty strong in defeat, dude, because I don't know if you noticed this, but Baron Corbin, you know, Dolph came in the ring, Drew and Dolph uh, had a little war of words, and then they wound up throwing down, going back and forth, and Dolph wound up hitting the zigzag on Drew, and then kind of rolled out of the ring. Corbin immediately makes a match between the two, which already is like, well, I thought you were on McIntyre's side. The dude just ate like a signature move. Now you're forcing him to fight. I thought this. I thought the same thing. But and then also with Finn coming out later, like so, you know, Drew did look pretty strong in defeat with those two things taken into account. Also, to answer your question, I think they just wanted to give Dolph something because they probably recognize like otherwise this was a really shitty turn for Dolph. Like if he doesn't even win this match with all the shit working against Drew, then. You know, people have absolutely no reason to cheer for him, but maybe that's just me looking for trying to look for some reason for people to cheer for him. No, I don't. I mean, Dolph is, is I mean, despite his, you know, stop start pushes and him kind of being conveniently placed in storylines when he's needed, he's definitely, he's a former world champion. And I don't think that he doesn't have the ability to be true. I guess what I'm thinking about is, I don't know, I guess, could it be someone else who could have gotten it? A. And B, is this just going to be designed for McIntyre and Ziggler to get a rematch next week where McIntyre wins? Possibly, or, I, or after I TLC. Kind of think that's what's, yeah, I kind of think that's what's going to happen, and that might kind of negate the fact that Dolph won, so why give him the win to begin with if they're going to take it away? Because he still has that boast of, I was the first person to pin you on TV. Yeah, all right. I guess. Um, okay. So next up was Elias and Lashley. And real quick before we get into this, we, we talked uh, on the last show that was posted a little bit about how, or at least I talked about how I was dissatisfied with Elias's face turn from I don't know how however many weeks ago. Um, and I, I was thinking whenever of, Roman announced his leukemia about a month ago. Yeah, about a month ago. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, why didn't I like it? And so here's what happened: Elias was out on the stage to perform. Corbin ultimately comes out and just starts running him down for for other you know no reason. I mean, ultimately the reason was because it had to set up Elias's face turn which ultimately happened when he hit Corbin with the guitar. Corbin told him to leave. He wouldn't leave. He eventually left. And then he came back out and smashed Corbin with the guitar. What I didn't like about it is that Elias' face turn was just reacting to what Corbin was doing. Um, But actually, I don't know. What I thought instead should have happened is I think you need... It's not even that Elias was... I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, so I'm not just ranting. It's not even that Elias was reacting to Corbin. It's that there was, you know, there was no break. It just felt like the whole time it was like, oh, Elias is turning face. I think what would have been cool is if you had Elias wrestle a squash match first. Elias comes out like normal, wrestles a squash match, wins. He's going to do a performance as a celebration. So this way he's in the ring, not on the stage. So And this way Corbin has a reason for interrupting him because otherwise it's like, why didn't you, Corbin, why didn't you just stop Elias before he went out on the stage, you know? This way, Elias was out there for his match, and now he wants to, you know, stay out there and perform. So Corbin comes out and says, I have an announcement to make. You got to get out of here. And they have their back and forth in the ring. And Elias, you know, tries to kick Corbin out of the ring, goes to play the guitar. He starts playing. Corbin grabs the neck of the guitar, which I don't know if you're familiar would you know, mute the strings ending the song. The music. That's the line. That's the breaking point. That's the thing that Elias can't look past. 
So Elias just says, okay, my bad. I didn't realize how serious this was. Goes to get out of the ring. Corbin starts talking, and then Elias hits him with the guitar in the ring. I don't know if I'm communicating to you effectively why that would have been a lot better, but I guess in my opinion, it has a lot to do with Corbin like holding the neck of the guitar. You know, like there's an actual line that he crossed. You know what I mean? Because that's something that's sacred to Elias. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah, um, that's really been bugging me, and I feel a lot I, better. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing I noticed from that segment is how telegraphed it was when Leo was waiting to get hit with it. Too. Yeah, from this week. That brings us back to this week, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes. Um, um, no, I, I agree with that. This week, Elias comes out, and he's going to play his guitar or whatever. He goes to start playing and singing, gets interrupted by Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley talking, running their mouth. Ultimately, he winds up chasing them both around, and with a little bit of help from Finn Balor, he winds up hitting Leo Rush with the guitar after he chases Bobby Lashley backstage. One thing I can tell you is that, because I definitely want to know your opinion about this, the reason it was weird as fuck, I'm assuming we're on the same page, it was weird as fuck when Lashley's like crawling to the back and Elias was chasing him and seemed to have opportunities to hit him and just didn't, that was weird. The reason they did it like that is because Elias had to switch out guitars because he played that guitar. You know, they're different guitars, the ones he plays with versus the ones he hits people with, I think we've talked about. Right. So I think that was why, because he had to switch his guitar. That's why he was off screen for a second. Doesn't excuse any of this being booked, by the way. And then he comes out, and a little help from Finn Balor, he hits Leo Rush with the guitar. I mean, could have been a lot better if they were putting some thought into it. Oh, definitely. What um, was your impression of this? Um... God, I don't want to say I didn't have that big of an impression because I'm really supposed to. Um, huh. but well, no, you feel I didn't, how you feel. Yeah, I just thought it was okay. I mean, honestly, the, mo- the the main thing I noticed is how poofy Elias' hair is. That was weird. Dude, that was. I'm glad <laughs> you said that. I wouldn't have mentioned that. I think his hair has to be wet, you know? He probably, right, totally. he probably had also just shampooed it, which didn't, didn't help in my experience. Yeah, it looked a little strange. Um, yeah. Outside of that, though, I mean, I, I, first of all, we, all these matches were announced after, uh, well, we didn't technically have a show last week, but all these matches were announced over the weekend. So there's the issue of Elias. Yeah. There's the issue of Elias and Bobby Lashley happening at TLC to begin with. For me, because it's like a, an underwhelming match. You mean it's an underwhelming match. It's an underwhelming feud. I don't really think, I think it, I think that raw is fine. Instead of having like Lucha house party stuff, like it's okay to book like upper mid card feuds on a three hour TV show that you have weekly. Yeah. And not like sack them on pay-per-views. Yeah. And give them more time. Um, Right, uh, for no reason. Um, and th- was there a finish to Elias and Bobby Lashley from last week, or was it the disqualification? Or I, I can't remember. Uh, oh no, last week they wound up all three on one in Elias and Bobby Lashley. Remember, slammed him against the steps face first. Oh, and then he made it like DQ and stuff. So then he wound up beating him. Yeah, no DQ. Yeah. Okay, so unless Elias gets his win back in strong fashion, I'd be okay with it. But I almost wouldn't be surprised if that's not the case. Even though every other member of that story, you know. Uh, Drew and Baron from last week are going to be in their own matches, so maybe it will be one on one at TLC, yeah. and that's kind of the and that's the allure of it. Maybe I don't know. Um, but also, you got but, Leo Rush out there to distract, and also, yeah, well, that could be a story where Corbin is like preoccupied with his. You know, he's hearing that Strowman's there or whatever. We'll we'll talk about that when we get closer to TLC next week. So, without repeating everything you just said, because I did listen, what what exactly about this week would you have done differently? That's a good question. Um. Well, it was it was weird. To me, it stands out that he had to get backstage to, you know, to switch the guitars. So it was weird just the, how he's chasing Bobby Lashley with the guitar. To me, he basically has to hit Bobby Lashley with the guitar at TLC the way they left it, you know? 
he's gotten Leo Rush with the guitar. Now he's got to get Bobby Lashley with the guitar. Um, how would I have done this differently? I don't know. I probably wouldn't have paired off these two for a feud right now, you know? But that's going back further than this week, obviously. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's just all very, uh, like... It's eh, underwhelming, unfortunately. And yeah. like, like I was saying with Elias' face turn, like this is something that, at least for me, I anticipated for a long time. And it's really unfortunate how underwhelming it is. He's just being used as, you know, just a face. They're just... The Raw, obviously, is in desperate need of faces right now, especially with Braun out on injury, quote-unquote. Um, so they just... It's just... They're just using him as a, you know, mid-card face which is unfortunate instead of like really maximizing this first part of his face run, which is what I would prefer, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it's, I, I almost said Elias would be better on SmackDown. I mean, I mean it, it's, yeah. it's the people he has to work with that I'm not a fan of really. I think Elias and Miz would be really great. Oh, he could um, definitely. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, it's this, the combinations are getting pretty stale this time of year. Yeah, you know, definitely. Like definitely. Uh, that, dude, that's why, Oh, I almost didn't even think to bring this up. Going into Monday Night Raw, I had high hopes because something dawned on me. I'm thinking all week, man, they have really shitty faces. You know, what are they going to do? We, I, I, there's almost nothing that could happen on Raw this Monday that could get me to care about any of this shit. And then it hit me. Oh, they have a, they have this awesome card in their back pocket that for some that we know about. Remember uh, a couple weeks ago, we heard about this guy returning on a house show and mm. if he returned at the like say the monday night raw kicked off with corbin drew and lashley or even just the drew appreciation thing and they instead of Dolph, got interrupted and confronted by a returning bray wyatt tell me that wouldn't have piqued your interest a little bit more than just about anything that happened it absolutely would have and that's an example of someone getting a pinfall that would have needed it more than Dolph too yeah, well, I'm just saying return Bray Wyatt as a face. Like, that, he's another one. His face turn has been super no, anticipated yeah, because the crowd has always wanted to cheer him. Return him as a face. Yeah, but, and he turned face for, like, a very small period of time, too. Yeah, return him as a face and, like, really play with it. Like, I don't know. I was We've been talking all fair about where they could go with the uh, Raw GM thing. I was thinking he would be a great option for Raw to kind of change things up, add that, you know, add an air of mystique to the whole show, like, kind of... I don't know. I, I haven't really put too much thought into what they could do, but just think about it. Raw run by Bray Wyatt, please. Yeah, and him showing up with that like little like blackout thing like, every time. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like no, anytime the GM Bray needs Wyatt to fan, yeah. Anytime the GM needs to get involved in some storyline he otherwise wouldn't be. Yeah, the the lights go out. They come back on a second later. He's already in the ring. Like that would, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but yeah, he's a uh, he's I, I don't know. There's so much potential. Don't know that I trust WWE to manage him correctly, but if they could, man, really, he, he would know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, you just, this is a case where, like, get ideas from him. Go to the source and, like, get ideas from him. Know that you need to use him as a top face on Raw, and it really shouldn't be that hard, in my opinion. And I should know because I live in the world that WWE attempts to dramatize. Yeah, I <laughs> I would love any opportunity to see Bray more, so <clears throat> I would love that. <clears throat> Definitely. I thought you might. Um, so moving on, Rude and Drake, uh, you know, talked to Baron Corbin early in the night on Raw. Corbin very uncharacteristically gives Rude a match with Drake one-on-one, where if Rude wins, then Rude and Gable will get another shot at the AOP, which suspect at best. Oh, yeah. When Drake is coming out by himself to the AOP music, it was comically funny, I thought. Like, comic, like just like, you know, the opposite of the effect that this entrance usually tries to capture. I thought the same thing also because Maverick has his own music. 
Well, yeah, he's not going to use it in this situation. Like, he's, you know, he's coming out representing the AOP. I mean, I guess maybe he yeah. should have because it was ridiculous is my point. But I think that's ultimately uh, what they yeah. were going for. Yeah, and it's just a shame that they're doing this at the expense of someone who was a main event level act in NXT at one point. Speaking of Bobby Roode, you're talking about. Well, actually, both of them, Bobby Roode and AOP. Oh, I mean, okay. AOP, they main evented War Games last year. Yeah, I don't see how they don't see that they're undercutting... The AOP right. by point, having yeah. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable be such a threat to them. They're a makeshift tag team, and AOP are supposed to be monsters. We we definitely also talked about that in depth last week. After what I mean, last week, you know, Drew McIntyre peed on Bobby Roode's robe. Um, yeah, that, that happened. That happened. This week, cut forward to the match: Bobby Roode versus Drake Maverick. The camera goes backstage. AOP is attacking Gable before mm-hmm. Corbin comes in for a split second. I'm thinking this could be good, and let me tell you why. The reason is because last week, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable are in a match for the tag titles. Bobby Roode's robe is getting peed on, and obviously he was so affected by it that it ultimately cost them the match. This week, Bobby Roode is in a singles match against an opponent he would obviously otherwise, you know, beat pretty uniformly pretty much all the time. Um, and, And we cut to not somebody desecrating one of his robes, but we cut to AOP beating the shit out of his tag team partner. I'm thinking if Bobby Roode, like, obviously he saw that, he hesitated. Wouldn't it be great if he just, you know, Corbin didn't get involved. Bobby Roode just went back onto Maverick, gave him his finisher and pinned him. This way you have the dynamic of, oh, Bobby Roode, your robe, you care more about your robe versus Gable is ultimately what I'm getting at. In a very, no, yeah. In a very long-winded way. What do you think about that? I well, I think it, it it continued the issue that happened last week of why he even looked at the screen during that period of time. Right, but with um, the whole handicap thing, like Corbin's getting unnecessarily involved, and and now they're involved in a feud where they don't have a title. Like obviously, Raw next week is going to have to be written somehow to get them a title match. I'm assuming if they're going to do that at TLC because they're still involved in a feud. But my way, they get the title shot, but there's dissension amongst Chad Gable and Bobby Roode where where. Gable's saying, dude, you you cared so much about your robe last week that it cost us a, literally the tag titles. Meanwhile, this week, you didn't care enough about me. Where And Bobby Roode's like, yeah, but now we have another shot at the tag titles. I thought that's what you would want. And this way, Corbin kind of seems like a genius mastermind for, you know, for working that out. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything to make more story and make this worth watching on Down 4, and that's certainly a way to do that. I just mean, you know, so, they're, they're ultimately going to get the match. I thought that would have been, you know, more clever than this. This is just overt and now this takes us back a step to where i think they're ultimately going to get a shot that they're going to lose and also i'm not sure if it was last week or the week before so i'm not sure whether or not it made it to the air but we definitely also talked about how much this oh no i said that already this undercuts the aop like this whole thing that the idea that they needed drake to piss on the robe last week to retain the titles in their first defense against a makeshift tag team it's ludicrous it is and it's sad because everyone involved are good talents yeah meanwhile you look at the tag team uh the tag team roster on smackdown and it's jam-packed to the point where they have great teams that they're not using on a consistent basis it's like why wasn't this considered you know amongst wwe creative like it was here amongst us on this show when the superstar shakeup was happening yeah i mean i i and i really don't have faith that vince cares enough about bobby to ever actually do a story like you're talking about because i don't know if i'll ever go heal yeah, I mean, that's not even that's not I mean, you know, that's not even that ambitious. Like what I just said to me would have been the smarter way to go based on, you know, what they already did to a certain point Monday. 
No, I agree. I just think that that would probably have to or should lead to more dissension down the line. Oh, that it would. just builds and builds and builds, which would, would then, I think, be a heel turn for, yeah. for Bobby. Of course, yeah. They would either yeah. lose the title match and split or win the titles and then lose a rematch and split. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, next up, we had Bane Ambrose. Oh, Lord. Was I the only one who got that impression of the two of us? No, a lot of people online did. There were a lot of memes. Well, yeah, I saw. I saw that. Yeah, but between the coat, the uncharacteristic coat, and the mask, like when the I coat, saw the mask, that, yeah, it had to be intentional. That coat. Yeah, when I saw the mask, I was already thinking it. That music. I hope that was a one week thing. That with uh, the siren. Me too. Um, what did the siren even mean, though? I think just because of the SWAT guys, I, I really don't know what they were going but for. But is that like a thing that happens? The shield didn't come out to sirens, and they had SWAT gear on. I thought it was like a reference to them, like the shield, but I don't think I it was. Yes, yeah, but the the gas mask, I don't know. It was it was very weird. When they when they when when the siren started, when the segment started, the siren started and the men come out in gas masks before Ambrose's music started. I'm thinking in the back of my mind I'm like, but of course this is where it's leading, but I'm thinking, man, this is kind of bizarre in an arena like, you know, sirens start blaring and then with the the lights flashing, and then men come out dressed in black with gas masks on, like, for a split second, if I'm in that crowd, I'm thinking, okay, and now gas fills the arena, and we all die. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's bizarre until Ambrose's music played, in my opinion. I just don't know why they're doing this at all. I mean, Seth and Dean are such, they've had, they have a feud. They've, they, well, they've had a feud in the past. And I don't know why... People online are speculating that that there was an outrage that Roman was integrated into, into the feud, so this is like a way to take a new direction. But he still mentioned Roman this week. Yeah. I, so I, I don't believe in that rumor. As far as the new direction goes, like they're just I want we wanted Dean Ambrose to turn heel for so long because in my opinion his character was hokey, like they had stretched it so thin, way further than I had ever even thought was possible. Like, to try to maintain some coolness factor for Dean as a face. A big, huge... The most reason why I wanted him to turn heel was because his character needed a revamp. And really, in my opinion, the Dean Ambrose character is, like, a dirtbag character. That's a douchebag, like, grimy. That's that's who he is. That's what he should be. So, that just works better as a heel. This is just... You know, with all that being said, is just... Just awful. Just so hokey and lame... You know, and PG, I hate it. I hate it. Every second of it. Me too. It's a shame. Um, I think that when they fight one-on-one, finally, there's anticipation for that, at least, because of the consistent Ambrose getting the upper hand, which makes me think that Rollins is not dropping the title, which I want him to for my own selfish reasons. Well, Um, yeah. Well, yeah. But... Yeah, I don't understand why Vince is overthinking this like every other... It's like AJ Styles syndrome. All of AJ Styles' feud, I said, were overthought. Yep. Um, uh, and now this one is being the same way. Um, yeah, it, he looked it, like an idiot. Um, totally. He could cut such different types of promos. And uh, if you were to tell me that Daniel Bryan would be a better heel than Dean Ambrose right now, I, last year, I would have laughed at you. But that's yeah. exactly what's happening. That is so, what's happening. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he, he just... This is so this is unfortunate. It's hokey. His promo itself was all right, except for, you know, all the stuff about, like, what even is the gas mask? Why did he get inoculated last week if he was going to need to wear a gas mask anyway? And why did he wear the gas mask if he ultimately didn't need it, which is safe to say because he took it off halfway through? 
I, I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, it's all metaphor symbolism, I guess, but it's pretty awful metaphors and symbolism. Yeah, so. why is a heel <laughs> thinking about metaphors and symbolism? Like, he's overthinking it in kayfabe. Um, so, moving on to the last really thing that happened on Raw was Slater and Rhino. I guess Corbin remembered that they're on Raw, um, and so he's got to get rid of one of them. Obviously, they can't decide, so he puts them in a match that, based on nothing more than the, the gimmick of the tag team, you would think Rhino would have won, but of course he didn't. And um, my only takeaway from this is that I like it if the underlying thing is that Corbin is making room on the Raw roster because he wants to sign Sullivan. Mm, I didn't think of that. Yeah, wishful booking, obviously. And there's rumors that, that Rhino actually like legitimately is done. Yeah, I heard. Well, I heard somebody said that he gave a farewell promo on Monday night during the commercial, but that is not true because I I heard from people who were there in attendance that 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 didn't happen. So I don't know if that's what you're alluding to, but maybe. I mean, I could definitely see that. Obviously. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, so so what do you think about the idea of Corbin making room on the Raw roster? I like it. I didn't think of it. I would hope that there's some reason that this happened. Um, they really can't afford to get rid of tag teams right now, so I would hope that it's a tag team, but I think Lars Sullivan makes a lot more sense. True. Also, the whole idea that there's only room for one of them when tag team matches would have the same spot at the same time slot also doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess, Cor- I guess Corbin is a heel. Maybe that's part of it, but it would have been nice if one of them said, like, what does it matter? Yeah. We're, we're a tag team. We take up the same time. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, and, and I mean, also, I would love if there's anything to it. Yeah, I was thinking that, uh, you know, I don't know where they're going with the Slater as a ref thing, but ultimately Corbin got rid of, you know, the whole both of them because he just made Slater a ref, which I guess in kayfabe is supposed to be a demotion, which is why I say, you know, he got rid of a team. Because I don't know, I think I mentioned it on an episode that went to the feed, but I, I'm thinking, you know, Strowman's obviously going to show up at TLC. Um, it would be great if Corbin had in his back pocket you know, Lars Sullivan waiting to debut and take out Strowman, and this this way they could set up a feud for Mania between the two. That's what I was. That would be great. At with and, that. and there's also and there's also the thing of Heath Slater being a referee coming back to bite Corbin too somehow. True. Like maybe a referee gets knocked down and Heath Slater's one that comes out. Oh, that could even happen at TLC. Come to think of it. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, um, it's That's a very uh, good point. I really like that. Yeah, yeah, and it would actually make it worthwhile that it happened, which I wouldn't be surprised that it isn't referenced again. Yeah, yeah. And um, and also, I really, I don't want Corbin to keep this position long-term. I was, you know, just to be clear, I want, I don't know. So that would, what you said would make sense, because it would be, you know, that decision that he made seemingly in passing to be a dick just cost him the whole thing. Yeah, totally. Hubris city, bitch. Um, so moving on to SmackDown? Yes, sir. Sweet. SmackDown this week started out with Charlotte and Asuka and Becky and Paige, I guess, talking about their match at TLC. And Sonya and Mandy? Well, ultimately, yeah. Uh, Becky, well, see, I'm not sure if I want to... I'm getting kind of sick, and it happens especially on SmackDown, or at least this week it did, of knowing where segments are leading based on the way everyone is dressed, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Yeah, they, I thought the same know, thing as soon as they all came out like that. Yeah. Becky's in street clothes. Oscar and Charlotte are dressed to wrestle. I wonder, they're either going to wrestle each other, and then when Sonya and Mandy come out, it's like, okay, tag match. And by that point, Becky had left, which was also a little strange, but I guess she had to have, you know, to book the tag match. Well, it worked within the context of the promo and the way she carried herself and why she left, too. 
like kind of getting the last word in kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And then like, so it, that kind of fit her character. And then she came back out. Uh, true, true. Yeah. Um, yeah w- what did you think about the way the match went down? Surprising, um, I would say. Well, I mean, we should probably talk about the contract signing itself a bit. No? Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like sorry, go, sorry, go ahead. Um, I like this. I thought that everyone did their part well. I thought it was a very straightforward contract signing. Um, we got confirmation that the ladder, that the title will be hung by the ladder, which changes things for me. Yeah. Because last week I was saying that if Oscar wins the title and doesn't pin Becky and Charlotte, it almost helps everyone involved. Yeah. Get the title on Oscar. So now I think that's pretty much confirmation that that's the kind of TLC match it'll be, which yeah. makes me more, more, more excited for it. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, as far as that specific outcome, no, we well, might, no, we might, that, we might that's talk still about that my wishful yeah. outcome. I'm just saying it's more possible now that we know that's going to be hung for the ring and right. my way of booking the match has Asuka pulling the title down. Right. Um, right. As far as what was said, I liked it a lot. I think that Charlotte's entering full heel mode. I still think it's weird that they had her say what she said right after Survivor Series. It totally makes me think that they didn't know what to do and they just had her do that. Yeah. Um, So I'm just going to forget about that, I guess. We all have to. (laughs) Um, But she's doing a good job now. I thought Asuka did well. I think that it made sense for Charlotte to bring up the WrestleMania loss. She specifically Um, said, you know, I I hurt your mystique. She did. And I liked that a lot. I thought Asuka (laughs) handled herself well. She was okay. Um, there was a couple things she said. But it was like, what? What? You needed the context yeah, I to mean, figure out. Yeah. And, and the crowd always reacts to her, though. That's kind of what I look at. Um, True. And she carried herself like a star, looked like a star. Definitely. And, um, I mean, they got the first 30 minutes of a two-hour program, so yeah. I was happy about that, too. Same. Same here. Um, what um, did you think about Charlotte boasting about how she, she beat Ronda's ass with only one kendo stick? Like, what? only one like you were in a match that you know zero kendo sticks were legal so technically you were using one more than was allowed like i don't why was that it was a weird brag or did you not get that um well i kind of took it as like what happened after the match is that it only took like one object to beat her down the way that she did but she also used a chair so it was a lie yeah yeah that was my issue with it actually yeah well she was just saying she was saying like look at how much i beat her down just with the kendo stick like before the chair i guess that's how I took it. It was before the chair came involved, like just with one candlestick alone. This woman who is granted pretty impervious otherwise to, uh, you know. Well, if she's injury. a straight up heel, if she's a straight up heel now, I guess I'm okay with it because it's a heel thing to say. Oh, yeah. She seems to be also a little, yeah. it got a little weird between Charlotte and Becky a little bit. I feel like there's some, you know, they were, they were really, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it felt like they didn't, specifically with what was said they they hadn't gone through everything ahead of time you know what i mean uh or did you not feel that way like i felt like some like i don't know a couple of the things that becky and charlotte said were like jesus like for the jugular you know like really telling it how it is yeah but i kind of like that though i think that that's why i i think that this feud at this point needs that or this match it needs as much heat as possible yeah. Because it's being booked within with two weeks of notice, three weeks notice. Yeah. So I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I noticed it. I definitely see what you're saying, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not completely opposed to it. It's just, it was a little, it's a little much for me. Um, so okay. I, yeah, then I guess next up, the tag three-way, the... Well, well... Oh, um, oh sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I keep so, doing that. That's no, okay. Um... So I like that Sonya and Mandy are like getting increased spotlight and I think that they're evolving and all that. I think that 
it, I'm glad that Byron Saxon acknowledged that they were having issues because Corey Graves is like, oh, like how in Charlotte and Oscar are going to exist against such a united front when like the story with Mandy and Sony is that they're not united anymore. Right. Um, so I hate I, Byron annoys me, but at least he was logical there. Um, and then so the match itself, I know that Wade Keller had an issue with this. I'm curious about your opinion. I think that I understand why Oscar thought that Charlotte big booted her because Mandy was like completely off the apron at that point. Right. Um, okay. That I didn't have yeah. that big of an issue with like why Oscar threw the match. I mean, it's a tag match. Her undefeated streak is over. Um, and also Charlotte just talked shit to her and, and to her face five minutes before that happened. Yeah. So I kind of like, I kind of match. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like that Oscar stuck up for herself and did that and kind of added a, a level of much needed intensity to her or yeah. something in general. Yeah. Okay. And and yeah, Wade Keller that. kind of went the opposite direction, and I kind of liked it in a way. And even yeah. the way she carried herself after the match, the way she looked at Becky, I thought that it kind of helped. Like Charlotte said, her mystique is kind of gone, and it helped her put her back in that like killer like position or unpredictable a position. A little bit, yeah. Which There's is a lot necessary. more work to be done, obviously. Yeah, but but it was I thought I liked it. Of course, yeah. Of course, you can't can't undo a whole year's worth of shit in one night. Then there's the also there's the argument that Oscar's never won a match with that move. It's like a transitional move and or a, a kick out. So Charlotte getting pinned after being built up and also beating Oscar with that move. I mean, I guess there was like a roll up involved and a pin pinning predicament yeah. that wasn't like a traditional. But that also kind of like I don't know. It would have been nice if Sonya did like her finishing mood after that or something. Yeah, well, I think they wanted to make it more like she was just stealing the victory. I mean, I was, I mean, honestly, like the, just the fact that she won, even considering everything else, I was, I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, me too. Um, I think I would have made. Well, I guess now that they're both heels, I wouldn't have. I would have rather see Charlotte and Sonya next week. I mean, I think <laughs> Charlotte and Oscar is not going to have a finish. Oh yeah, probably not. Becky will get involved. And I think Charlotte Oscar for WrestleMania could be a possibility. Yeah, in a rematch. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely getting that impression unless they go in a totally different direction. Um, if we have time when we're done, I I want to. There's a couple general conversations I was hoping to have at some point. One of them, I'm not entirely convinced Becky should lose the title at TLC. We'll, um, we'll, get well I wouldn't, yeah, okay. Um, I don't think I'm convinced either. I think it's just what I kind of want. In a way. I just, it's like necessary for where we all expect things to go for WrestleMania, but I don't know. I kind of wanted to ask the question, is it? Because, you know, weighing out what it does for her momentum, like any negative effect it might have on her momentum by losing the title and not winning it back just to put her in the rumble so she can go up against Rousey. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think... You know, but don't forget it's it's a ladder match. So they, they, I just I just I, I know, but I, then I keep she focusing to, on that. She has to either what? not care about a rematch between losing the title at TLC and Mania, even though it was by a ladder match. She has to either not care about a rematch or want one, get it, and somehow also lose it. You know, like it's not. I don't know. It's not a good look for her right now going into Rumble for me. Yeah, but if you're also building up Asuka, I think that Becky's over enough where she could absorb it. Yeah, I'm not saying she's not. I just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not in love with it for that reason. And there's also the way of having Becky if Asuka is the one to win. Because there is a chance they put it on Charlotte. I would not put that past them. That's true. But That's true. if they do put it on Asuka, well, Becky would still have to lose a rematch regardless. Um, but at least Asuka, her finishing move, the Asuka lock, Becky could pass out and even further the whole, 
not that they would do it for this reason, but the whole stone cold angle, like her passing out after withstanding Oscar's pain would also not make her look that bad if she's not tapping or being pinned. Yeah. And with Oscar, yeah. you have that built in finish. Yeah. That's definitely so, a possibility. And I think if you're going for Charlotte and Oscar at WrestleMania, it would probably be better to just redo the the same match from last year with Charlotte as the champion and Oscar as the challenger. And I would have Oscar totally. win it this time. Absolutely. You know, give her a bigger first title win at WrestleMania. Yeah, so that, that's where I'm at with it. And and I have thought about Becky's protecting her and whatnot, but I think that there are a lot of, and this is assuming, this is wishfully booking it and assuming Vince goes according to it because it's pretty specific that Becky would need to be out out of the ring or damaged somehow or maybe Nia hits her or whatever so Asuka gets the title so that alleviates her losing. Then oh. in the rematch, she would have to pass out. So the, all the steps that I'm taking would preserve Becky every step of the way. Right. We talked one of these weeks about Ronda actually getting involved in that match at TLC, or at least as a distraction. And yeah, because I, the way I that, think Charlotte... The way, sorry, the on. way that Becky and, and Charlotte keep talking about her, it would make sense. In fact, Asuka even was forced to kind of address her on Tuesday. Which I liked, because don't forget, last week I said that if Ronda's in the ring, that I would have Asuka kind of like kick her to get her out of the way too before climbing the top. Yeah. Just to add that extra level of like, fuck you, bitch, I've been here for a while. Yeah, and to further build to the, the eventual match of Mania. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I definitely like that dynamic, and that could definitely happen. Yeah, we'll I'm loving all this. Yeah. And we'll talk about main eventing. So I texted you, well, I think, is this next? Well, no, we, we could talk about the SmackDown tag, because that's not really a lot I have to say about it. Honestly, yeah, I don't really have anything to say about it, so you can just say whatever you have to say. It was a great match. They're incapable of having a bad match, and the only thing I could say is that at TLC, if it's not made a ladder match, I would just, I don't know why, if you have the ability in a triple threat match for there no, to be no disqualifications, why not just utilize what's going to be around you anyway? So I yeah. think maybe this match could include some tables and ladders and chairs and kind of up. I mean, it'll be amazing regardless, I'm well, sure. To answer your question, which you weren't actually asking, but I'll answer it anyway. The reason they wouldn't is because they don't want to take heat away from the main event feuds that are going to use that stuff, you know? Yeah, but I mean, don't forget that it used to be like almost every match, like at least five of the matches. It was tables, ladders, chairs, and then TLC. Yeah, it used to. It's not. I mean, this year, I don't know. It seems well, like... we only have two TLC matches, is my point. So I think that there's room. I'm saying other cards have had more matches with that in it. Right. But if you have a no disqualification type of match and they're around it and there's only two matches using it, I don't think it would hurt the other matches, especially yeah. like where it's booked on the show. Yeah. And especially they don't if, need it's, it. if I'm it's, just saying it's the they're going to use it I less than the main event matches will. I agree. I just don't think Vince does. Oh, I'm not saying he does. I just think that it would be smart for like a heel team like Cesaro and Sheamus to say, oh, wow. I mean, even if it wasn't TLC, they could cheat and use and some, weapons. Sometimes they don't want to call attention to the no DQ aspect of triple threat matches. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But um, this is a great match, and I'm looking forward to the actual triple threat. Same. Um, I, I hope that Sanity and Gallows and Anderson start being included in this, because their SmackDown's tag division is still kind of stacked, despite them telling us otherwise. Yeah. So there's that, too. And I kind of think the Usos might win. But um, I could see that. I'll, we'll get there. But yeah. we'll, that'll be a prediction show for next yeah, week. Next week. Uh, Brian was next with Miz TV? Yeah, well, the backstage thing with Miz and Shane, which they're just furthering no, yeah, Miz and Shane. Whatever that is. Parents of the trophy is their baby, and it's not funny. And then the Miz TV. This was interesting because neither Miz nor Daniel Bryan, this is another thing where I felt like they didn't really talk too much beforehand about what they were going to say because... 
it was a little bit all over the place, you know, like they're both heels and neither one wanted to give, you know, Miz wanted the satisfaction of saying I was right all along and Daniel Bryan obviously wouldn't give him that satisfaction, kind of danced around it. It's definitely interesting and it was, uh, I'm, I'm liking this, this heel Daniel Bryan character, although the vegan, you know, environmentalist stuff like came out of left field and also shouldn't be a heel because he's right about that stuff. Right. Yeah, that you could totally tell that's something Daniel wanted to include himself because that's what he is in real life. Yeah, and I, and, I don't think, and I don't think it should have been. Well, it's just he's um, right about that, but yeah, I think it's it's confused, muddying the water of why he turned heel, which I think they he's already you know, saying good things without that being a part. Exactly, of that. That was like a, exactly. It just, it, it just felt like it like unnecessary, superfluous. unnecessary. Yes. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, I think he has a really intriguing character. I'm not a super big fan of his, but I am a fan of what he's doing here. Yeah, me too. Um, I feel like I should have more to say. Well, um, I mean, the, you know, they go back and forth. AJ Styles comes out. Daniel Bryan pushes Miz into AJ Styles. And basically, you know, AJ Styles and Miz get into it. Daniel Bryan winds up getting out and leads to the match later, which before the match later between Miz and AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, they interview him backstage and he says everything he does has a purpose. And now he's going to do commentary, which... The purpose of that was pretty clear, you know, at that point, let alone the way it played out. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed is that Paige is a better general manager than Corbin. Well, obviously, she's a better general manager than Corbin. Mm-hmm. But she at least gave, like, AJ, after getting the skull crushing finale, like, time to breathe, as opposed to heel Corbin, who made heel McIntyre wrestle right after getting the zigzag, to support yeah. your point earlier. Yep. So that's what I said. Because I was thinking, like, this is definitely leading to a match. But when, when, when they went to commercial, I'm like, oh, okay, I bet when they come back, they'll announce it for later on in the night. And that's what they did. And that's Smart. what was logical. Definitely. Um, it was a good match. I also like Daniel and, and Miz's um, interactions, you know, drawing upon their feud earlier and the way that Miz framed it. Um, I, I just liked all that interaction. I don't think it's leading anywhere, but I, I like when they use things that have happened in the past. No, yeah. And, and Daniel um, Bryan wouldn't give him that satisfaction. Right. Wouldn't submit yeah. that he had been right all along and basically said, like, Miz, you're ignorant. You know, he reads Alexander Hamilton or whatever. Yes. And what I was, t- I texted you last week after we finished recording talking about main events and we thought that the only options were, well, not thought, are realistically Corbin and Strowman and the women's TLC match. Um, and they still are. Not, not, not only because of the fact that they're the titular match pay-per-views, but they've been giving time. And I don't think that changed this week. I do think Brian and Styles were given a pretty large chunk of SmackDown in the same way the, the women were. Probably around the same amount, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but I do think if this went on last, I don't think anyone would complain. I just don't think it's going to. Oh, no. I, I, nobody would complain. It's just, you know, the way things are trending. It was treated like a big deal this week. trending all year. No, you're not wrong about that, but it hasn't, you know, not been treated as a big like it's been treated as a big deal sporadically here and there on SmackDown before. But all year it, the WWE title has never main evented. This match specifically Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles has happened 3 times with actual time on TV already in recent history. It's got no stipulation attached to it. And like I said, Vince McMahon just for whatever reason is prone to not want a main event with the WWE title to begin with. So with all that being said, I think honestly I think the women's title match is for me, the standout match that should main event. Oh, I agree. I'm not trying to say this should main event over that. I just think that it's a shame Vince continues to treat the WWE title this way. Of course. It really is. Yeah. It really, yeah. really is. You are hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, the, um, if the women are getting tag belts, 
I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. There should just be one of every title, you know, one of everything, one world title, one world title for each men and women's on both brands. I'm fine with the US and IC both existing, each being brand exclusive, but like the tag titles, there should be one for both brands. Like there's just, there's too many belts, you know? Totally. Just while we're on the topic, like I, you might as well, if you know, you're treating your WWE title, like it's like basically the intercontinental title for the most part, like, you know, maybe that is a solution that helps that helps other things and just makes more sense all around because there shouldn't be too many belts to keep track of if we're being honest. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I hope they're given ample time at the pay-per-view regardless when it happens, which won't be last. Um, <laughs> right. What else? Jeff Hardy oh, and Randy Orton. Yeah. For the and, 85th time. Yeah. Yeah. I almost checked out, but I figured something would happen with Joe. Um, dude, Correct me if I'm wrong, but Jeff Hardy has never really been known as a drinker. Unless you, unless you have a lot of stuff to say about the match before that point, and I'm skipping ahead. No, I think the match was designed for this exact purpose. Okay, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I do think it was weird that Rey Mysterio didn't come out, and I do think it's also weird that there's nine matches for TLC, and it seems to me that both of these should be on TLC, but I don't think they will be. Uh, Randy oh, Ray and Joe yeah. and Hardy. Shit, I thought for sure um, Joe and Hardy would be there, but it's not. You're right. As of now. So, I mean, 11 matches for a co-branded pay-per-view wouldn't be strange. Um, and maybe the mixed match challenge finals goes on in the pre-show, which, based on the uh, Royal Rumble ramifications, I really wouldn't do that. Um, they should not be doing the mixed match challenge for the 100th time. At all. No, especially and they shouldn't be with, doing it with, for the 30 Rumble spot. Yeah, especially not. That's so dumb. So, and Rob, my only thing is that Raw got two singles matches that we've seen already. These are two singles matches that, I mean, we've seen Randy and Ray, but there's at least some animosity. And Jeff and Joe is same. also, we've seen it, but there's yeah. some animosity. So I feel like yeah. it will be edited. Um, Should be. With that Jeff said, and Joe. Yeah, go ahead. See, I, I would say Randy and, Randy and Ray had more, has more built-in story to it. Just for me, Randy and Ray is a lot like Randy and Jeff insofar as I feel like I've seen it so many times. I can't for the life of me imagine why you wouldn't want to pair all involved parties up with guys they haven't, you know, wrestled a hundred times. Like, I don't, you have Ray back and you've got him intertwined with people that he could have been intertwined with before he left. What the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying, based on history of how things are booked, I think that it's they'll both be edited. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm, you're I'm just wrong. talking about you know as it being a match that I couldn't possibly care any less than I do about you know Jeff and Joe. I would be my vote. But yeah, well, I guess with totally. the mask thing, I guess I know what you're saying. I just you know Randy Orton included, Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio. They should all be Rey Mysterio versus Andrade Almas would be. Way better match for TLC than Randy versus Orton, you know? Have Andrade do the mask thing. That would just make all-around sense, make for a way better match, help build this star that has a... a, I don't know. They just... They did that match already. Vince may not go back to it. No, I know. They should have maybe not done it on TV or save that TV match for pay-per-view or... I, I just... I don't know why they're so insistent on relying on the stars of yesteryear and so, you know reluctant to want to build new stars i mean you have such a exorbitant roster of stars that i i I the writers should be chomping at the bit to want to help build these guys you don't orton mysterio hardy they don't they don't need to be built they're already established like use them to tell stories with slash help build the new guys help establish the new guys 
Yeah. No, I, yeah. Hate it I, all. You're not wrong. Um, in terms of partying and drinking, I think in general, just partying drugs and drinking in general was known about him. That's um, what they're, they're, that's what they're I, getting I, I at. I think that a bar, though, I mean, the only other option is like going to a pharmacy or like going which, on the streets of some ghetto, which would be a little more, uh, They're not going to do. They're not right. going to do. It's too real life exactly. for them. In fact, just talking about drugs in general, even weed would just be too real life for them. But I think maybe that's a reason to not take this slant with this rivalry. Oh, yeah. I thought it was... I mean, why is Joe bartending, A? Well, Does to, he have a to, job there? To taunt Hardy, but that... Like, no, no, I, no. My question is how... Who, who... Like, did he just go into the place and say, hey, can I just tend your bar tonight? Is my point. Like, what employer or business owner... Well, I mean... God's gonna sit this one out. So that know, was weird. It was I, like yeah. a second job or something. Yeah, but I mean, with all the stuff um, that's happened in wrestling over the years with... You know, people in situations yeah, like this. Excuse like, it, though. I don't know why you would draw the line here. I'm not saying draw the line. I just don't think it should be excused because of that. Of course not. Um, and then you know, I didn't have really an issue with the sensitivity of it outside of saying that people die from drinking because that's a very harsh reality. Yeah, um, it's true. Another so case. Another case of a heel being absolutely correct with the message: drink responsibly. Yeah, but framing it in like a negative way, which makes it like, I don't know, heelish, but also unnecessarily heelish. Like, just don't do it. Yeah, well, I just think the negative way was like, you know, responsible. Like, it's it's negative because the implication is that Jeff Hardy's always drinking, you know, irresponsibly to excess. And that's what, so by saying something that is technically correct, like actually true, you know, everything is okay in, in moderation. But, you know, especially drinking is something you don't want to do to excess. It's weird because he's saying something that is absolutely correct. Drink responsibly, don't drink and drive. But the implication is that it's, you know, he's taunting Hardy because Hardy hasn't. It's just a weird dynamic to have the face. Well, it's the same thing with Daniel Bryan talking about saving the environment as a heel, too. Yeah. Um, But speaks to how Vince, you know, what Vince sees as good and bad. To him, people who want to save the environment are bad guys to Vince. Sadly. If they really wanted to like go all in with this, I mean, in terms of history of drinking, Jeff Hardy had a DUI that I think was included in the Edge storyline back in the day. Or that whole angle where like who attacked Jeff Hardy and it was Edge. Yeah. Um, so I would have just went there instead of saying people die, you know, you know, you don't want to get a DUI now. Obviously yeah. I wouldn't want that to happen, but at least that has more personal application to Jeff Hardy and his life. Or even he could just And it would have been a little more real. He could say I've seen Jeff at his lowest, which you know, we we all know in real life is was when he was in TNA at Victory Road. The Victory yeah, Road another, yeah, definitely. So yeah, just but I just agree. saying that would like you know to indicate that they have a history outside WWE, but for the real fans, you know, we know what he's actually alluding to. Yeah, definitely. But it was uh, yeah, I just don't find it necessary though. At the same time, totally agree. We are on the same page. All right, so I guess does that about do it? Did you want to talk about anything else? Um, I. I think I'm good. All right. Um, Thank you, everybody, for joining us for Wishful Booking. My name is Lee McNulty. You can follow me on Twitter, at me, up to 11. My name is Jimmy Moorcraft. Follow me on Twitter, at Dr. Moorcraft. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Wishful Booking, and like us on Facebook, at Wishful Booking Pod, and uh, feel free to email in your own Wishful Booking, wishfulbooking at gmail.com and uh, we will talk to you guys next week as we uh, preview TLC and then go from there we gotta start building the furniture now it should be ready by next week yeah so we can tear it all down burn it down oh there you go yeah we could have a nice bonfire <laughs> later guys so long Born into Nixon, now it's ready.